0: Why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe. Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up for us,
1: boy! If you want to live here, you have to ride. Let's do it. Just breathe, breathe. Ooh! Outcasts. That's all they see. I see. You. I'm supposed to fight
0: Protect the people Let's get it done
2: To the strange Harpers podcast a weekly discussion of film television and pop culture my name is jeff zhang and tonight i'm joined by Amir ture and eric wong so this week we are talking about the last blockbuster of 2022 on the last review of the podcast of 2022 james cameron's avatar the way of water his first film in over 13 years, and his first since the original Avatar in 2009, this mega-budget sequel sends us back to the world of Pandora with Jake Sully, Neytiri, and the Na'vi. The star-studded cast includes Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Cliff Curtis, and Kate Winslet, and the film also stars Trinity Bliss, James Flatters, Britton Dalton, and interestingly enough, Sigourney Weaver as the Sully clan children. So I want to start the episode off talking a little bit about our individual experiences with James Cameron, his filmography, and the first Avatar movie. But first, I want to preface that with how sorry I am that I said that I would delete Cameron's filmography over Kubrick, Spielberg, and Scorsese. (laughs) Especially now that I've seen The Way of Water. (laughs) (laughs) They all come crawling (laughs) Wait wait, wait a second, though. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd still delete them. No question.
0: (laughs) Wow. So much for contrition. But now
2: I just feel extra bad about it, you know? James Cameron's like one of the big ones. So what is your experience with the big JC?
1: I guess I'll go first. I think I've kind of already mentioned this. We had that little debate. I don't think his whole filmography is as affecting on me as, I think, a couple movies, primarily Terminator 2. Like, I remember that was a really big movie for me when I was growing up as a kid. I remember watching it. Interestingly enough, I don't think I remember going to my parents because I don't think they wanted to take me to the theaters to watch that movie, but I remember watching it at home. I remember my dad kind of bringing home, I, I'm guessing was a VHS at the time, and getting to like sit down with my family at home and watching that, that really being one of the movies that helped like really form my love for movies growing up.
2: We're all the same age, so I think it's safe to say that we were all too young to see Terminator 2 Judgment Day in theaters, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: I think we were all like 5 years old. I was born in 86. I think you guys mm-hmm. were too. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were too young for that, but I totally agree. I think Terminator 2 is one of those formative movies for me, just like watching on VHS and on on a TV. Like one of my first indelible action movie experiences, right? Mm -hmm. I still
1: think that it's one of the best action movies of all time. Like I think I still think about like the chase through the LA River, you know. Mm -hmm. I think about the great set piece in the um, Office you know, where they're trying to, like, steal the components for
0: the... Cyberdyne Industries. Cyberdyne,
1: thank you. Cyberdyne. I think the last set piece in the, like... The Foundry. Yeah. Yeah, the Foundry or whatever, you know, is great. So, like, I mean, it's also a really tender movie, right? It took, you know, this idea of this Terminator, this robot, this indestructible being, and, like, kind of humanized it, you know? Like, I think the relationship between John and the T-800 is, like, relationship all-time kind of thing, you know what I mean? I think about that a lot, and The strength of, like, the Sarah Connor character and everything. I love that movie.
2: And, like, one of the first times where they had a big twist going from, like, the first movie to the second were, like, Mm -hmm. such a huge surprise where I don't think that would work nowadays. I don't think you could pull off a big twist. I mean, maybe you could. But just with the internet and everything, how quickly something like that would leak, plot details, stuff going down on set, I feel like people would figure it out way faster. That first scene with Arnold and the shotgun and, like, taking down the T-1000, the liquid metal. Just being so surprised that, like, oh, he's, like, the good guy. He's, like, trying to protect John. That was such a great little first-act twist Mm -hmm. that I never saw coming. I
1: don't want to spend too much time on, like, James Cameron. I'll let you guys talk a little bit more about, like, maybe some of the other movies that you guys
0: love. Yeah, I mean, nailed it with Terminator 2. The original Terminator is also amazing, too. Like, don't forget that movie. (laughs) Aliens, literally one of the best movies ever. And then... I mean, True Lies is kind of whatever to me, to be honest. Fine. Like, True Lies, The Abyss, both kind of just, like, okay. I actually haven't seen Zeogenesis or Piranha 2, The Spawning. I don't know if you Yeah, I haven't seen those either. (laughs) Yes, I guess we're not true Cameron heads on here. But, I mean, let's see. One, two, three... I think he has, like, three indisputable classics under his belt, both the Terminator movies plus Aliens. And Titanic. And, and Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. And I'm saying that's not even counting Titanic. Yeah. Just with, like, those couple of movies, those handful of movies alone, he's got to go in that pantheon of, uh, well, not American, I guess he's Canadian, that pantheon of, uh, like, modern directors. He's up there, you know? Like, if you've done... More than a couple of movies that people consider classic, you've got to be up there. And he's definitely up there with the greats. Maybe not according to Jeff. I
2: I wouldn't discount The Abyss either. The Abyss is really good. They're finally coming out with a 4K release, so I'm really excited about that. That was like a test run for the T-1000 Liquid Metal. Oh, really? Yeah, the special effects with the alien underwater. Oh, cool. That was like the first usage of that liquid metal cgi technology so i think he used that as a test run but that movie is great too i love the abyss
0: so you guys know what brought james cameron into film <laughs> seeing star wars in 1977 of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> i'm not yeah, surprised man. by that he was i guess what like 23 or something like that he quit his job as a truck driver and entered the film industry and that was it how crazy is that?
1: All right. So first I got to quit my job and become a truck driver and then, <laughs> and then I could quit that job and become director. Okay. Okay. I see where my career path is going.
0: Go back in time and be 23-year-old James Cameron. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> I hate to say it, Derek, I don't think you're big enough, enough of an asshole to be – James
0: Cameron.
2: (laughs) uh,
1: Man, I don't know if I could take
2: that as a compliment. (laughs) I don't think I am
1: either. (laughs) I don't think we can move on to talking about Avatar The Way of Water without mentioning not just to create like classic movies, but he's created some of the biggest movies of all time, right? In the form of box office Mm -hmm. success. Before Avengers Endgame, before Avatar, there was Titanic, right? Was the highest grossing movie of all time. And then became Avatar. And then it became avengers and then i believe it's avatar again right i think yeah with the re-release, with the re-release. Mm-hmm. yeah I, i've been saying this for years you can't bet against this guy i don't know if i wholeheartedly like i said love all of his movies but i still don't bet against him when you tell me like james cameron is making this i'm gonna get excited and i'm probably gonna go watch it like i don't think he's let me down there's
2: i think a specific reason for that i think we'll get into that later okay just about how james cameron makes movies and like comes up with his stories and yeah. why it has such deep and wide-ranging appeal and why people go to his movies over and over again mm-hmm. his movies make bang yeah
0: so the other like interesting thread, and i don't know too too much about i'm you guys know a little bit more than i do is this whole aspect of him where he becomes a domain expert on like whatever his movie is about to be about like He became an expert on deep-sea exploration because of the Abyss and Titanic. And, like, he's now, like, a well-known expert in, like, Titanic studies. Among the group of people who know about the Titanic, he's, like, now one of those people. You know? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When it came to the original Avatar, he did all kinds of background research for, like, the feasibility of the ships they used to fly to Pandora, which is, like, something you see in, like, a couple of background shots or whatever, right? Like, he really, really is one of these egomaniacal perfectionist Mm -hmm. uh, asshole, hard to work with people with this uncompromising vision. But, I mean, A, he gets the job done in producing classic movies that are also blockbuster and make a ton of money. But he also gets the job done in terms of, like, being the real deal, turning himself into an expert on something when he's making a movie about it. So it's really interesting.
2: That's like a through line from The Abyss all the way through like Titanic and then Avatar and then Avatar The Way of Water, just like his love of exploration and like the deep sea. He's always underwater, even when he's not making movies. And, you know, I think it's funny because he is known to be a very difficult director, just like a very demanding taskmaster on set. I think Kate Winslet famously said after Titanic that she would never work with him again, but (laughs) here she is in Avatar The Way of Water back on set with James Cameron. And a funny thing is actually a lot of the cast members were surprised by how much he had softened on Avatar The Way of Water on set. And I don't know if you guys read the interview in Empire or like the profile in Empire magazine, but apparently like a lot of the threads about like being a father in avatar the way of water came from like his own experiences as a father of multiple children across multiple marriages and apparently like all the kids came together had an intervention It was like hey you're a shitty dad (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) they took him aside they're like you're a shitty dad 10 months out of the year you're like underwater you're like never here for us And when you are present, you're like, it's your way or the highway. I feel like he really took that to heart, kind of softened up a little bit on the set of this movie. And, like, some of the actors were, like, saying that, which I think is very, very interesting. And we'll get into it later, but, like, you can see that through, like, the story of this movie, too. Like, Jake Sully's journey from Avatar through
0: its sequel. Mm -hmm. I'll give just another aspect of the James Cameron, like, sort of insane talent thing. He's a really incredible artist and, like, painter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he did the matte paintings of the backgrounds of New York in, like, Carpenter's Escape from New York. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow. Dude, he's an insane artist. Like, he's really... I mean, like, I don't know. I don't have any artistic talent, but, like, he's genuinely good.
2: He's not Ryan Johnson doing stick figures for the storyboards or whatever. (laughs) 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 Have you ever seen those? (laughs) Yeah, that's Hardly. Yeah.
1: No, Uh, he's, like...
0: He's talented.
1: I think before we go into this latest movie from Cameron, what are your guys' relationships or thoughts about the original
2: Avatar, the 2009 movie? I mean, I can start. Mm-hmm. So I actually never saw the original Avatar in theaters, which I feel like is a big miss for me. And huge. Huge miss. <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: but you've rectified that, right? You, you have. I've rectified, rectified that. Yes. I've rectified okay.
2: that. And... I will admit that in the beginning, I was one of the Avatar haters, just because I'd never seen it in the theater, and, like, I was just so late to be on the bandwagon of Avatar that, like, I was like, oh, you know, it's uh, Pocahontas in space, just a weak, simple story, and, like, blue aliens. I just wasn't really into it, but then, like, Mm -hmm. as my love for movies grew, I came to appreciate Avatar for what it was, and then... I saw it again for the re-release, and that just further cemented my own status as, like, an Avatar Defender. Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: like, was it, like, a B or a C for you, just, like, kind of unremarkable, and then you saw the re-release in theaters and kind of got it?
2: Uh, no. Well, so, I think I saw it for the first time maybe, like, a year or two after it came out. I was like, okay, it's nothing special. But then, like, maybe a couple years later, I watched it again on, like, a bigger screen, and... Having more of a feel for what James Cameron's all about and, like, his style of filmmaking and his style of storytelling and having this newfound appreciation for the way he weaves conventional storytelling together with his technical wizardry and, like, I really got the movie that second time I saw it. And then the re-release further, like, reinforced my love for that movie. Yeah, that's my experience with Avatar. What about you guys?
0: I saw the first one. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, although I don't think I saw it in IMAX 3D. But I say I'm pretty sure because it wasn't that memorable an experience to me. It didn't blow me away. I remember there was a guy at the job I was working with at the time. And this is, God, like more than 10 years ago now. This is 12, 13 years ago now, right? Um, and he absolutely was blown away by it. Loved it. And I just I didn't get it. And I was like, you know, I've liked his previous movies. I like sci-fi. And I just, I didn't get why people liked it so much. And I do think it has a lot of, maybe not glaring flaws, but there are a lot of things about it that are very easy to make fun of or aren't the most sophisticated, right? Or the most subtle. And I didn't get it. The first Avatar didn't really super hit for me. To be honest, what about you, Derek?
1: So I'm glad we all seem to have kind of different experiences with the first Avatar. I fucking love the first Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember watching that movie in theaters, I think, three times. When it was wow. in, originally in 3D. Wow!
2: Avatar lover from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: I definitely remember at least watching it once, maybe twice in 3D, and then definitely once not in 3D. I do hate 3D. I hate wearing glasses over my glasses.
2: Me too. We'll get into that by the
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's gotten better. Like it was not as uncomfortable this time around. But um, I remember loving the experience. After coming out of that movie, you felt like, okay, this is going to change movies for better or worse right and i think we saw some of the worst coming out of this being like this really big huge push for 3d but i think people kind of took the wrong lessons from it like people just thought like oh people want 3d no i think people wanted or at least what i wanted was what james cameron was selling with 3d was creating like i think interesting space utilizing perspective and the environment in creative ways People want good 3D, not just 3D. (laughs) I don't want things popping out of my eyes and like ooh. That kind of three D, right? And like I think that's what we got a lot of in the coming years. But I think for me, that blend of CG and real, and like it's a lot more CG than real when it comes to Avatar, I think was a really big step forward for like movies back then. And I mean the movie still looks great. Like if you watch the movie to this date, it still looks great. And I think this movie, you know, talking about the way of water also looks great, but it almost feels like of a piece, right? Like I think, you know, technology has gotten better, but for me at least, I didn't see like the huge jump in like, oh my God, this one looks way, 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 way better than when he originally did with Avatar. Does
0: that make sense? Oh, interesting. So you don't think that this was like a generational leap?
1: No, frankly, no. It didn't feel like this is hugely different, but it's also because I think... What he does so well is that he makes it seem normal, right? Like the CG just feels of a place. Being in Pandora, being in this world just feels natural. So it doesn't stand out as
0: extraordinary. That's part of what makes these movies interesting is the Avatar movies make people who complain about CGI like CGI. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's because he takes a decade to do each movie, if it's the buddy involved or – The technology that he or his studio or whoever have developed, I'm not sure why it's so much better, but it's definitely, like, it might not be leaps and bounds ahead of Avatar 1, but it's leaps and bounds ahead of every other CGI movie I've ever seen. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yes, (laughs) yes. I mean, you know, you forget that you are watching CG and you just think you're watching real, like, blue and green alien, like, in real life. Like, it's incredibly immersive. I can't say enough about how incredible the CG is in this movie.
1: I'm basing this off of what I kind of remember. Like, I haven't seen Avatar in a while. And, like, Jeff, maybe you could speak to this a little bit more because I think you are probably the one out of all of us have seen the original Avatar, the most recent. Mm -hmm. Did it seem, like, tremendously better when you watched Avatar 2?
2: Okay, so I don't think the first Avatar's CGI holds up quite as well as some other people Mm -hmm. believe it does. But it's still, like, heads and shoulders above a bunch of the superhero stuff that we've been getting lately. Yeah. But I still do think that Avatar 2 is like head and shoulders above the first one in terms of technology. Yeah. I mean, I can't say about the first one because I never got that IMAX 3D experience when it was first released, so I can't say to that, but... Avatar 2, The Way of Water, is, like, top three theatrical experience of my entire life. Wow. Hands down. Wow. wow. I can't even think of more than three anyway, like, off the top of my <laughs> head. Uh-huh. The other two, I was with Amir. So, Ooh. one of them was The Dark Knight in IMAX for your birthday. You remember yeah. that? two thousand eight? I do remember that. That's, That's a great
0: experience. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, that one was... That was sick as shit. And up. then
2: the other one, which I also saw with you, was Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be on your list.
2: Which was just so much fun in a packed theater. And then this. I was just blown away by this. I mean, I'm not talking about like the story or anything just mm-hmm. quite yet. But like the technology on display here is just fucking phenomenal. Like, Okay, first of all, I hate 3D. Yeah. Big 3D hater. I don't like wearing glasses over my glasses. Like you, Derek, I Mm -hmm. also wear glasses. So, yeah, big hater of 3D. I think most of the time it's done poorly. Also a huge hater of high frame rate. So, I gotta ask you guys. Did you guys see it in 3D and variable frame rate? I don't think so. You don't think so? You can tell? I couldn't tell. And
1: just because I've never seen anything in high frame rate. So, like, I don't know if it's, like, blatantly obvious. But also, I know that my IMAX theater is an older IMAX theater that I went to. And I don't know if it's upgraded its cameras to do the high frame rate. Okay. If you can't tell, I feel like you did not. Yeah, I didn't. And now I want to go out and find one. (laughs) Like, I'm already now searching. I'm like, man, I really should find a theater that does high frame rate just so I can watch in a high frame rate also. At least the scenes that
0: are in high frame rate.
2: Amir, was yours in high frame rate?
0: Yeah, I think it was. Although it didn't Uh jump out at me watching the movie, I think my theater could do it. And I definitely saw it in 3D IMAX. And I think that the 3D IMAX theaters were showing the variable frame rate. Yeah, Where where I went to see it. Yeah.
2: So, I don't think it's perfect here. I think high frame rate is never going to beat the looks like a video game allegations. I think it's always going to look kind of motion smooth and kind of bad. But I... Do think that James Cameron found the secret sauce to the high frame rate stuff, where he cherry picks when to use it, and he cherry picks within the scene what part of the scene uses it. Mm-hmm. I think some of the stuff on land looks like your normal high frame rate stuff that I don't think looks that great. Specifically, like the train scene, attack in yes. the first act, which I thought looked kind of video gamey and like just a little weightless. But where the high frame rate stuff really shines is like the underwater stuff. It looks phenomenal in the high Mm -hmm. frame rate because, you know, things on land is just the movement is faster. So you catch it immediately when it's in the high frame rate. But like everything underwater is just a little slower. And like when you apply the high frame rate, it just looks really, really fucking good. And when you put it with the 3D here, which is so well done, like you don't notice it at all. It's so good. I was blown away by the visuals of this movie. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, I got to go find a theater now. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't think I've experienced it. Like I said, I don't think my theater was. But I've heard the opposite, Jeff. Like, I've heard people, like, it's very jarring to them. It jumped back between the 24 and the high frame rate. You know what I mean?
2: It's not perfect. I don't think yeah. it's perfect. So, I'm actually curious the other way around. I kind of want to see the whole thing in IMAX 3D 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm such a proponent of the 24 frames per second and, like, the cinematic experience there, mm-hmm. as a big hater of high frame rate, I want to see what that looks like, what the movie looks like without it, you know? Yeah.
0: Speaking to the, like, the upgrade between Avatar 1 and Avatar 2, I'm going to just read this quote directly off of uh, dying social media app Twitter. Uh, <laughs> 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 Jameel Bowie, he's a New York Times opinion columnist, he said, mm-hmm. I'll say this since I need to go to bed avatar 2 is to avatar as terminator 2 is to terminator the first is like a proof of concept for the second in which james cameron brings all his talents and abilities to the table Mm. i saw that tweet what do you guys think yeah Uh, nails it right i mean i think i don't know at least for me avatar 2 completely completely outshines avatar 1 i'm actually not sure i agree about the terminator part of the analogy actually But for me, Avatar 2, I mean, like, Avatar 1 didn't make much of a dent, and this one, in case it's not clear, this one blew me away. Really, really impressed. I understand where
2: he's coming from, but the leap from Terminator 1 to 2 is gigantic, where Avatar to Avatar 2, it doesn't seem quite as big in terms of, like, technology. I mean, the number of years is comparable. I think I agree with that. I think that's a pretty good take. Okay, so, first of all,
1: you know, thinking about this year, like, This is one of, you know, my favorite movie experiences of this year. I don't know if I can go as far as Jeff to say it's like all time for me. And I think hearing you say that, Jeff, that's how I think I felt when I watched the original Avatar. Right. Mm. And it's really hard to then recreate that for me, right? Like I'd be curious to hear what you think about like Avatar three, right? Or four or five. You know what I mean? Like I think that will equate. That's an insane
0: sentence in the English language. Yeah, we'll get into that. It seemed so insane, the hubris of like, I'm going to make a million avatar movies, shoot them all at once. And the first one, like, it made more money than anything ever. But critically it kind of went over and maybe not like a lead balloon, but it wasn't well regarded critically. People are always like, oh, Avatar One, where's the cultural impact? Yeah. What does it influence? Blah blah blah, all this stuff. And I was on board that. I was like, yeah, the first one was just like kind of whatever. Like it's fine. I can't believe they're doing a million of these, right? It's very funny. A almost seventy year old director, you know, lining up Avatar movies from now until the heat death of the universe. But either with the second one, he won me over. I'm really looking forward to Avatar three now. Yeah, that's insane. But yeah, I'm really excited for the next Avatar movie. Keep doing them.
2: So the great thing about Avatar, the first Avatar, is just weaving those different threads of like, conventional storytelling with James Cameron's, like, own sincerity and, like, the technical wizardry. James Cameron's a very, very broad filmmaker. I don't know if you've uh, seen that Garth Marenghi meme where, like, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's unironically what James Cameron is like. Like, he plays that meme very, very straight. So, like, the first Avatar is, like, the story of, Jake Sully, you know, like, this broken man fighting against his own people to protect his, like, found family of Na'vi, and it's, like, anti-imperialist, and James Cameron's, like, own protect the environment principles. It's a very, very earnest movie, but I think Avatar 2 has the emotional weight to it, where the first one was kind of missing that, and I think the second one just, like, immediately clicked with me, Mm -hmm. where I connected with it emotionally this threat of family with jake and like natiri and and their kids and i mean they're all painted in broad strokes too like you have like the bully storyline yeah and like the talking with whales like the free willy kind of stuff but it all works for me Mm -hmm. and when you combine it with like all the great stuff that he did in avatar one like it just really comes together for me
1: i think we all really like this movie but i will say that i do think story-wise this may be the Better story to kind of agree with what you're saying, Jeff, right? I think there is like definitely more emotional resonance and like just kind of heart to this movie. And like, I definitely love the story of the family. Like, I think the family element is really strong in this movie. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I didn't quite like what felt like was just rehashing a lot of what Avatar One was this kind of being thrusted into this whole new world and like having to kind of restart over the first one's a lot about like jake sully learning about the world of the navi and the sky or the tree navi versus like we're now thrusted into like having to learn about the water navi right the idea that courage is like the villain again another impossible element people are hunting again like it's not unumtanium it's like Whale brain juice, right? I think that comparison between like T1 and T2, and like, you know, Avatar 1 and this, I kind of resonate with that because I think if we never had Avatar and like this was the movie that we got, this is definitely the more complete movie in my mind. But it seems like he's rehashing a lot of the same ideas.
0: I don't think you can interpret this movie without the light of the first one though. Like, maybe there's some rehashing, but. It's not retreading exactly. I don't think this is a more complete movie than the first. The first, I think, is more complete than this one, right? Because you could just watch yeah. the first one, tells yeah. you a whole story, and then mm-hmm. you never needed to do another Avatar movie. Now, I'm glad they did because this one's probably better than that first one. But I don't think the second one is more complete. I think it's better. You're right. You're right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, so should we give a little plot synopsis of Avatar The Way of Water?
1: 30-something minutes into our podcast? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, before we uh... – talk about more things that we liked, more things we didn't like, get deep into the plot. Let's just do a little synopsis. So the film takes place approximately a decade and a half after the events of the first movie, right? I feel like it's a decade and a half. I think the oldest kids are probably 13, 14. Plus you got to cook them for how long the Navi have to when they're pregnant? I don't know. (laughs) So the same amount of time between the movies, right? 13, 14 years maybe. Jake has settled down with and started a family with three kids, Loak, Natayam, and Tuk, plus an adopted fourth child named Kiri, who is played by Sigourney Weaver. And she is the biological child of scientist Grace Augustine's Navi avatar from the first movie, which was also played by (laughs) Sigourney Weaver. Kind of a mindfuck there. They don't really explain it, but I think that's going to be like a thread they explore in uh the rest of the movies yeah yeah, number three or four or five or however many more they're doing so the sully clan has settled into the domestic life of uh what's the clan called the forest clan the amadikaya i think Mm -hmm. um which are the forest navi but then after all these years the humans or uh the sky people as they're called they return after being driven off in the first movie and things have gone even further down the shitter on Earth, so the humans have come back to uh, colonize Pandora some more, along with Stephen Lang's Miles Quaritch, who has been resurrected into his own Navi avatar. They've totally jettisoned the whole unobtainium thing for this movie, and I feel like they're still after it, but, like, most of this movie is about the Tulkum and the whales of the Yina tribe, Jake and his family in order to protect the Na'vi of the forest. They go on the run as refugees to the Yina clan, which are like the seaside Na'vi. It's here that they have to assimilate into this new surrounding. You know, the kids go through like this coming of age drama with their new home, bonding with the undersea Nature and the whales. The Pandora whales are called the Tulkum, and they're like these hyper intelligent creatures who form like these bonds with the Navi, and the humans start harvesting them for like their brain juice, which grants them immortality. And then things come to a head at the end of the movie where it's this big confrontation where Quaritch is coming with these whalers. So that's basically the plot of the movie. If you want to talk about like a weak spot of the movie, Probably the first act is maybe the weakest, I think, with the amount of exposition that James Cameron has to go through. He goes through that shit, like, light speed. There's, like, maybe, like, ten movies worth of stuff that he just glosses over and never talks about again, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of hilarious and maybe even, like, admirably efficient.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest gripes with this movie is that there's a lot of ideas being thrown out in this movie. A lot of threads that he's like trying to weave together and I, I don't know if it all successfully works, right? Like, you've already mentioned like the Kiri character and like this Immaculate Conception. There's the... Ad- Wait, hold on. Let
0: me just jump in there a couple of things. Okay. One, that's not what an Immaculate Conception actually is, right? Just to be clear. <laughs> Sorry. The Immaculate Conception is not the virgin birth. The Immaculate Conception is the belief that the Virgin Mary was free of sin. From the moment of her conception.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: It actually is not the virgin birth of Jesus. It's actually something entirely different. Two, the character we're talking about in the movie, it's not a virgin birth, right? Like, there is presumably a father. We just haven't been told who that person is, right? Or at least if they're doing a virgin birth thing, it's not entirely clear that that's what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Like it could just be a missing dad. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Jesus thing.
1: But I think what's left on the table, that's what I'm trying to say, is like it's unclear. And it's also like you're kind of led to believe that in a way because he doesn't deal with it. Like he just gives it one like joking scene in the beginning of the movie. And like it's never revisited throughout this movie. Right. Especially because it also makes it seem like she's special. She is definitely different than all the other Navi like she has this communion with the sea and like able to control sea life like she's like an Aquaman she's clearly different and I don't know if that's like Cameron trying to create like a religious allusion to that or not but I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at is that I think we have all these questions that are about this particular character I think that are still unanswered by the end of this movie And thank you for correcting me on the Immaculate Inception thing, but like, you know, sure, then it's the virgin birth of Kiri, right? Or whatever you want to call it. Like, yes, we don't know. Maybe we'll find out that she does have a father in the third movie, or maybe we won't. That's not answered, right? Maybe this movie doesn't care about that, but
0: I'm just saying it's an open threat. Is that a weakness, though? Because you introduced this topic, like, talking about, like, things that kind of bugged you. Did it bug you that they left it open-ended? Sorry, let me finish
1: my thought and maybe that will answer that question. I think there's the addition of the spider character when like there was never a mention of a child that Corridge had in the first movie. And that doesn't really get resolved by the end of this movie. Like the connection between the two brothers... I think the idea of Natiri holding a grudge against Spider in this movie, like I think these are all threads that for me are a little bit of a weakness because I feel like it's setting up something. I kind of have to like watch a third movie to finally get the answers to all these questions. And I I think you've kind of mentioned before, Amir, that the first movie felt so much more of a complete movie where this one feels like it is definitely setting up a third movie.
2: Okay, I think we're talking about, like, different weaknesses now, because I feel like I get where you're coming from. I do think one of the weaknesses of this movie is that some of the characters are a little undercooked. And some of them I don't think are going to get resolutions in, like, the third or fourth movies. I think that's just it for them, especially for Netayam character, um, Loak's brother, right? Mm -hmm. I know Spider is going to probably be a bigger character in like the future movies, but there are definitely parts where I was like not feeling the connection between Quaritch and Spider and like his inner conflict. I feel like it's not quite as well drawn for me to actually care that much about it. But I want to talk a little bit about the lightning speed exposition, which I've come around to. Because I think, like, Cameron cherry-picks what he cares about and what he doesn't. There's definitely lore that he's interested in, and then, like, lore that he's not. I think the origins of the Spider character, I love that they just fucking hand that shit away. They're like, haha, every fucking guy knows that you can't put babies in cryo. And then they just fucking never mention that shit again. And that's just what that is, right? Spider's just, like, this kid who's left behind, and he wants to be a Na'vi, and, like he paints himself blue and he's got, like, dreadlocks and, like, an honorary member of the Sully clan. They also do, like, this Hunt for Red October thing where Jake is like, oh, I've been speaking Navi for so long that it's just, like, English now. And then, like, it just switches to English for, like, the rest (laughs) of the movie, which I think is another hand-wavy thing that they do in this, which is fine. But, yeah, they burn through a lot of story in the first act of this movie.
0: Which is cool. I think it's it's better to have too much story than too little and it's better to go too fast than too slow with that kind of shit so I mean I was totally happy with them zooming through that stuff and getting us to the uh to what Cameron really yeah. wanted to do right
2: yeah and even then it's like 45 minutes or like 50 minutes before they even get to the seaside Mecca Yina tribe right yeah so there's plenty of stuff there
1: yeah yeah and I think at least for me that's where the movie begins to shine I really love it when they get to that tribe the quote unquote water part of this movie
2: yeah I think one of the things with the first Avatar is that I think the forest is kind of boring, but the mecca, you know, like the oceanside stuff, I want to be there, right? <laughs> um, those houses look awesome. They have like these bouncy trampoline like walkways and stuff. Everything's just so picturesque and like just seems like a chill place to be.
0: Yeah, the forest seems like kind of shitty like there's a lot of (laughs) deadly animals trying to kill you all the time it was a little bit like "Mm." but yeah chilling at the beach definitely a prime spot on pandora so far
1: okay guys i don't think you guys are giving enough credit to like the forest people (laughs) (laughs) because i remember watching that first movie and being like i want my own fucking flying creature that i have to
0: No, but the flying ones in this movie they can fly and go underwater yes (laughs)
1: yes yes I just remember, like, being amazed by, like, the floating
0: rock formation. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking cool to so me. So, what is and, the like, deal with that? Like, it looks awesome, but it's just, like, rocks sometimes float on Pandora and that's it? Like, is there, like... Yeah, I don't no know. ...no gravity? Like, what is the deal with that? We don't know. Okay, that's yeah, fine. I don't know. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> well, we get James Cameron on this podcast. All right, yeah, we'll ask him. ask him Did you have, like, the Pandora sickness or whatever after seeing Avatar 1?
2: It's like, oh, I just want to be there and, like, I feel shitty that i'm out of the theater now is that what you're yeah, talking about yeah, yeah
0: did you hear about this mm, no i guess a lot I felt of a little bit of this coming out of
2: this one, one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know that people loved avatar so much but there's whole swaths of people who like coming out were like depressed they didn't live on pandora and i guess that like
1: they got a plug in
0: to the, well it speaks <laughs> to the universality of what james cameron's trying to get at right like you talked about it already, jeff james cameron he's not being subtle Environment good, (laughs) destroying the environment bad. Whaling bad, whales good. Like, it's it's very simple. But, I mean, he's obviously touching something that we need in modern society or else people wouldn't be like, oh, wow, like, I really need that, you know? Yeah. He's obviously tapped into something because it it really resonates with people who are, like, estranged from the natural world because of the modern condition.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Definitely the scene where they do the – I don't know what they're called. The whales. The whale hunting, that shit was real hard to watch. The turcoon? Yeah, that was yeah. great. I mean, it was yeah. really well done, right? But, like, but- emotionally, like, it's like a CG whale, but somehow, like, I felt, Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: He goes in grisly details of how you hunt this majestic, intelligent creature that's, like, as smart as a human being. And he shows you all the details of how it's hunted and killed for human greed. And, uh yeah, you wouldn't hate the bad guy so much if he didn't do that, right?
2: Yeah, I think, like, CGI fantasy animals, I have a hard time connecting with that stuff. It just feels, like, so weightless sometimes. Porgs?
0: Did you like the porgs? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck <laughs> the porgs, whatever. Oh, really? I think the porgs are cute. Okay, fine.
2: <laughs> They're fine, but, like, I didn't feel anything when they roasted them or whatever on the little spit roaster. you <laughs> yeah. know? Uh, but here, it's, like, I think the technology behind rendering the whales is just so fucking good. You can, like, feel the leather hide coming out of the water and stuff. You can, like, almost feel it, right? Just the way that they paint those creatures with, like, the empathy brush, I think, is, like, really, Mm -hmm. really affecting. And the way they hunt them, it seems like all stuff that Cameron pulled from real life, like, the balloon harpoons seem like something that real people would do to, like, real whales. Mm -hmm. And just maybe, like, 15-20% more sci-fi and, like, a little more cruel. But, like... Shooting the balloons into them so they rise to the top so that they can kill them definitely seems like a real wailing technique that he implemented into this movie and makes you hate the humans like even more, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So like a lot of people are complaining like, oh, this middle section is so soft and like boring. Nah. The middle section is like the yeah. best it's part. The
0: It's what makes you love Pandora and, like, love kids and love the world. That's what gives it the juice. If you didn't have that middle section where you learn to fall in love with this water tribe, you wouldn't give a shit later on when they're in danger.
2: About the third act. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Like, you need that long second act. Maybe it's a touch over long. I did start feeling it a little bit towards the end. I did want to hit that wrap it up light and just kind of like, okay, let's get towards the final confrontation we all know is coming. But. I thought that all of the stuff in that second act was incredibly charming. You almost don't really meet the characters until that second act. Yeah. Right? Like, who yeah. they really are as, I don't know, people, as Navi, whatever. Yeah. And and again, it's these kind of very basic, broad brush, universal themes. But, like, hey, for Loak, you know, it's like moving to a new town. There's a girl you like. There's some guys who are bullying you. And you're trying to fit in. And you're trying to learn new things. And, like, all these just, like, very universal experiences that people can relate to. Chafing under the instructions of your parents and all these things that people can relate to. Making friends with a space whale. You know, we probably haven't done that, but, like, yeah. you know, you, you understand. What, like, you haven't, Amir? <laughs> you understand how cool it would be, and you understand how tapping into that natural, I don't know, conservationist in all of us, or the natural animal lover and everybody, you make even that experience really resonate with people.
1: One yeah. thing I will praise about this movie is that, so when, <laughs> in the beginning of this movie, when he flashes through, like, you know, all the exposition, and you, you learn that they had four kids I was like, okay, way too many kids. And I was really worried that it was characters I would not be able to connect to. Because for me, coming out of the first movie, I was very much more wanting to continue the story between Jake and Atiri. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I think the Zoe Zaldana, you know, Natiri character is kind
2: of left on the wayside for this one you know like she gets her moments she gets good yeah. moments but she's definitely more secondary in yes. this one um she gets like a lot of badass moments which i yes i liked which i love too i will praise that by the end of this movie i do actually care about these kids i did too okay so the one kid i didn't care about it was for a reason <laughs> <laughs> so one of the weaknesses of the movie is that i instantly knew that uh Net-ayam was toast like really? halfway through the movie. Alright. They're painting him as like the dutiful son. The perfect yeah, son, right? The yeah, perfect yeah. Son, son that Jake thing. loves. He loves all his children, but like Nateam is like probably his favorite, right? And then Loak's like more rebellious, and he gets all the meat of the story at the Mecha tribe, right? He like does all the rebellious stuff, he gets in trouble, he's he to the whale. The, the yeah, forming the bond. Uh, like, I was yeah. like, all right, Nateam, he's fucking dead. He's gonna fucking die. <laughs> Good instincts. So, I kind of wish they flushed him out a little bit more just so, like, his death isn't so telegraphed, but it's done pretty well. I think it's yeah. all done pretty well. I felt well.
0: that way in retrospect, like, afterwards. Yeah. I was like, oh, of course he's the one to die. He was the most thinly sketched of all of them. Uh huh. Kiri gets her little, like, I don't know, sea life controlling powers slash seizure slash mystery dad plot line. Yeah. And then uh, we already talked about Loak. And then. Tuck is too cute. (laughs) Yeah, Tuck's like a little kid, right? Yeah, so it kind of had to be Natayim. But, I mean, I I really only felt that in retrospect afterwards. Mm. And and they do do some little Natayim things, right? Like his birth and the celebration and like uh, Jake teaching him how to fish and stuff like that. Yeah. With the bow and arrow.
1: Um, With Jeff, though, there is still definitely something there to be desired, I guess, Especially the relationship between Natam and Lowak. I don't think that's fully fleshed out. I mean, it's maybe a little heartless to say that I didn't feel it when he died, to be completely honest. I felt for the characters, but I wasn't myself
2: like devastated by the loss of this character. So I felt his death more through like Niteri's anguish than yes. like mm-hmm. actually caring about yeah, the character. Yeah. And I
0: felt it like at the funeral when Jake is like thinking about his yeah. death And like mm-hmm. teaching yeah, yeah, him the yeah, fish. Yeah, for sure. That was sad. That was really sad.
2: Also, to change gears a little bit, I think a lot of people think Sam Worthington's, like, the weak link in the first one. I think he's actually great in this movie.
0: He is. He's so much better. I don't know why. Is it because he's blue? Like, I don't know. But he's great in this in a way that he wasn't really, like, that compelling in that first one. But he's really good in this.
2: Yeah. I think the story painting him as kind of like a bad dad makes him more interesting
0: like
2: uh, is he a bad dad i mean he's a flawed dad he's not a bad dad yeah. right like yeah he like runs how he his treats family his... like a military
0: unit. Y- yeah he <laughs> runs his
2: family like a military unit and i think that's kind of funny because like, is a
0: great little like personality yeah. work and they use all the little military lingo and stuff like that but it's also interesting to make him flawed but it also makes sense for the story right like, yeah the, no for sure for a sure. guy who's this is a military dude and he like I don't know, his entrance to the Navi society was as a warrior, and uh, I guess there's, you know, 10, 15 years of peace or whatever, but then there's the return of the sky people, and he's got to teach his kids to operate in a military fashion. It's a character flaw that also kind of makes sense and fits with the story. I do really like that.
2: Yeah, and I think there's, like, a little subtlety there with his two sons, where, like, he clearly favors Nataeim, but I feel like he sees more of himself in Loak, right? his more rebellious nature and, like, how passionate his younger son is. Yeah, I think he's great in this. I think Zoe Sedan is great as uh, Neytiri, too. And, like, I love fucking Stephen Lang as Miles Korich. Avatar Miles Korich. Mm-hmm. Uh He gets some fucking great moments. Someone on Twitter just said, like, they don't make hater villains like this anymore. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a fucking hater. He gets so many badass moments, like, crushing his own dead human skull in his hands as, like, the new Avatar version of Korich. I think that's so fucking badass. He's so upset when he's, like, born into, like, the Avatar body, the Na'vi body, which, like, he hates. But then he's like, oh, shit, look at these teeth I have. All right, never mind. This rocks,
0: you know? <laughs> look how strong I am. Look how fast I am. Look how tall yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it that he says, he's just like, for our sins, we have been reborn in the bodies of our enemies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. No good.
2: yeah, he's cool. And, like, how much fucking, like, venom he has for... Jake, even though, like, Jake wasn't the one who killed him, Neytiri was, (laughs) right? Yeah. Neytiri's giant bow, which was fucking awesome, just, like, the flashbacks to his death getting, like, impaled by, like, ballista bolts. They're so gigantic.
1: Well it's cool to see it at a different angle, right? Like or you see it off the, like the shoulder camera, which is like really cool.
2: And then when like all of Korich's his new marine unit, when he, they get massacred by Netiri and this, he gets like flashbacks <laughs> yeah. when he sees them like skewered by these giant arrows. I think it's great. And I like how they don't explain the rest of his unit either. Like, are they born with their marine tattoos or like they choose to get them? tattooed again when they're reborn i
0: think they must get them again on their new bodies right <laughs> probably Although, i don't know if you have the technology to put people's minds in different bodies presumably tattooing at birth because it's like a clone body yeah, from yeah, yeah, vat yeah. or something right it's like some hybrid human navi clone is what the avatar is right so presumably tattooing is not that big a deal
2: and then like one of the marine dudes he just like wears oakley's like, giant avatar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's like, where'd you even get those? Kind of like uh, Grace's Stanford
0: t-shirt in the first Yeah, those yeah. guys are great. Maybe. They remind <laughs> me of uh, the Aliens crew. Yeah, yeah, kind you of. Know? Yeah, for sure. And they don't have quite as much character. Yeah. But they're fun anyway. I, I do like those guys.
1: Going back to, like, an earlier point, I was saying a bunch of these different threads. I feel like this movie is the Jake and Kid show where I feel like number three is going to be the Natiri Courage show. Like, I think there's a lot left for those two to deal with, especially because Natiri already has a problem with Spider. You know, it's established in this movie that she doesn't really trust the kid. You know, it's definitely the kid of Courage, that we find out. And, like, there's that tense moment at the end where, like, we don't
2: know if she would have actually went through with it, right, to to kill. I love that moment, by the Mm -hmm. way, where, like, Spider isn't even sure that, yeah. She's going to hurt him. And she actually does. Right. Yeah. And like, he doesn't know if that's like theater for Quaritch or not. Right. Yeah. And I thought that was a great little yeah. moment. It's kind of scary because like, Neytiri's like racked with grief. You don't know what she's going to do. And she's actually like terrifying because yeah. she's like taking down people left and right. And like, her son had just died. So
0: I like the, you know, the spider Quaritch connection there. It's a surprising little touch of humanity for Quaritch right Mm -hmm. there is i just don't think there's enough
1: of it in this movie like there's like whole swaths of this movie where we just leave them and like i mean we don't visit them spider's still a secondary character man and And yeah that's why i'm saying like i think that the third movie will focus a lot more courage natiri and spider
0: i think you get quite a lot of them i mean i think there's still a lot more to do with those characters but i think spider's also in part recapitulating the journey of jake from the first one right He's the outsider Mm -hmm. who has to learn to become Na'Vi as much as possible. You don't think that's Stephen Lang? No.
1: Really? I think they are setting up Stephen Lang to be like Jake.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe eventually it's Stephen Lang, but. I think they're very much setting up Stephen Lang to be like Jake. I think for now it's Spider, and I think Spider is this movie's Jake. This movie's like if you can't be a navi at least be like them and be as close to them as possible and don't betray them and he stays strong he's not swayed by the fact that this guy's his dad i guess the only little thing he does is he does save the guy's life mhm mhm which you know maybe he shouldn't have done but yeah. he's this movie's like reminder about the importance of betraying your side if your side is evil right because that's what the first one is about, right? The first one is about how, like, American imperialism is bad, and it's your duty to betray it,
2: right? It's kind of like this one, too, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. one kind of externalizes it a little bit. Yeah, it does, With yeah. the whalers, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's nothing so satisfying to see that whaler die. The whole theater lost it, that one.
2: Okay, how old do you think Jack Champion is, who plays Spider? I don't know, 18? I don't know, 18? I thought, like, this whole time he was like a 27 or 28-year-old playing, like, (laughs) a a 17-year-old. He just has one of those faces. And that kid is, like, yoked. He's fucking jacked. Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, he's only, like, 19, I think. Nice. So he's only, like, 16 or 17 when they started shooting this. Uh, I think James Cameron's like, all right, well, you gotta, like, be convincing as this kid who wants to be a Na'vi. So you gotta get ripped for this
0: role yeah you gotta look like you've been he did run, running around the fucking forest of pandora your whole life swing from tree to tree <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: exactly so earlier you were talking about like the pandora sickness and like if i felt it i felt it the most when like the third act started because i think there's like clear delineations of like when each act starts uh when that final confrontation with the whalers and stuff happens I was like, all right, this is, like, the home stretch." And then I got kind of sad because I was like, I still want to, like, spend more time here. I want to, like, spend more time underwater and, like, with all these people that I got to know in the last, like, two hours, you know?
0: And it's not just the people. The world is so beautiful. You talk about spending time underwater. Like, you're marveling at how beautiful Pandora is the same way the characters are. They're just, Mm -hmm. like, hanging out, swimming under the ocean. Like, you know, because they're transplants from the forest to the beach, they're discovering it just as we are. They're enjoying, like, the beauty of underwater and swimming and frolicking and all the amazing sea creatures and the fauna and flora and all of that stuff is new to them as it's new to us. And it's all gorgeous. Like, the strength of the CGI making this a world you want to live in, like, cannot be overstated enough times how powerful the visuals are. I mean, I've not seen a movie like this in I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's funny, Jeff, you say, like, oh, you know, when the when the last set piece, I guess, or the last part of this movie starts, you're like, oh, man, I wish I had more time with here. You had, like, an extra hour from then on. This last set piece is, I feel like, almost an hour long, no? Like, we get a lot yeah, of Yeah, it. it's, a, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's huge. And, like, that's, like, the audacity of this filmmaker and, like, this story, too, where, you know, like, the middle seems quieter. It seems more... Is maybe a little slower pace we get to really live in this world but then when the action ramps up in this movie it ramps up right yeah. we get the attack on the ship we get the, the Tacoma attacking the ship the stuff in the air we get Natiri back in the battle like we get the stuff On the actual boat and, like, under the boat when it's sinking. Like, there's a lot going into this final action set piece, right? This is
0: Cameron showing off those action chops that made Terminator and Terminator 2 and Aliens that made all those movies. Like, this is him showing all of that off, right? Yeah. I mean, what's the joke about Avatar 2? It's uh, Titanic was Avatar, but I guess it's really all his other movies combined into one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, like, he's so good at, like... Making the villain deaths, like, so cathartic. My theater was up on its feet when the main whaler guy got wrecked. Yeah, when he gets his
0: arm chopped off by that cable. Yes. Yeah,
2: the cable, like, pins his arm against the thing. It's like, oh shit, is he gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? And it just yanks through the entire boat. And he goes flying through the air and his, like, arm is completely separated from his body people were like going nuts over that shit they're like yeah fuck that guy you know and it's
1: like a little bit slowed down so you like get yeah, to, like, yeah. sit in that moment just a little bit longer that was such such a great moment yeah i mean i really love the actual like battle the navi versus the soldiers and seeing them like riding those terrible i don't know what the name of the creatures are but like riding them like along the ocean just seeing that was really spectacular and like yeah you alluded to it a little bit earlier already jeff but like having natiri back just firing arrows into dudes taking out choppers and like just people there's something super satisfying about seeing her it's like so just, satisfying yeah. for sure <laughs> like giant arrows through people super yeah. satisfying <laughs>
0: yeah yeah you can't under the appeal of the medieval combat there's something about it that just <laughs> is a little more visceral you know and yeah it's yeah. awesome
1: it's really interesting like he tells a lot about the character i think also in that moment it feels like she hasn't completely embraced her new life it seems like she still writes her old flying creature right because that's not one of the sea creatures right yeah that she's flying and like she's very much like the aerial assault to their water so like it's interesting kind of just how he tells even character points through his action.
2: I do wish that Cliff Curtis and Kate Winslet got a little more yeah. to do. They get their own little moments, though, that I really liked. You know, Kate Winslet's Ronald. She's a little frostier. She's not as welcoming to the Sully clan as the rest of the Mecha are. I like, uh, Cliff Curtis's little moment when Jake Sully's like, Oh, I'm just going to ride the biggest one. Like, yeah, just give him the, he's like, Oh, okay. You do that or whatever. You know, <laughs> I like that little moment. People are like, Oh, I didn't like the bullies in this. I thought the bullies were, like, great, just the way, like, that they made fun of the Sully's, you know? It's classic bully shit, right? Yeah.
0: Like, 13-year, like 14-year-old level humor. Oh, look at your tail. Yeah, you look at your dumbass tails or whatever. Oh, I thought that was so funny. You don't even have fins on your arms. Like yeah. It's like, yeah. exactly what a 13-year-old alien would make fun of another alien for. Like, it's perfect.
2: Yeah.
1: And I just want to talk about that detail real quick, like... The amount of different like, a, physiology, yeah, the yeah. amount of tension he puts to like, you know, how these water navi have evolved separately than the tree navi, having like more fin-like tail and having the yeah, bigger like the, arms, the bigger for arms swimming. for swimming. Yeah, like, I thought that was so clever, and like even their skin tone, right, a little bit lighter, probably because
2: yeah, like the teal, aquamarine type color. Yeah, yeah,
1: I thought all of that was really spectacular. Just the amount of detail he's put into creating like different navi.
2: Yeah.
0: talk about the world building a little bit? Cameron does so much work with this stuff. Like, there's so much neat stuff even at the very beginning with the uh, spaceships of the sky people coming in. You can see them rotating in order to create the artificial gravity. You can see, like, the giant radiators on the ships in order to uh, vent all the heat. Um, It's just, like, the designs are really cool and really scientifically accurate. And there's, like, no reason for him to have done that except that he's a giant who cares about this shit.
2: All details that are, like, completely unnecessary, but he does it just for, like, the added realism. I
0: fucking love that shit. Yeah, like, there's this, like, YouTube of him on a call with some, like, I guess they're, like, spaceships and space experts. And, like, talking about the design of the ships from Avatar 1 and all of that stuff. And he just goes right in there with all the details and, oh, this is how we designed it and blah, 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 blah. Like, he just... He cares about this stuff. He really, really, really does. It's pretty amazing. And, like, you know, he doesn't make a big deal about it in the movie. It's just in the background. But if you're paying attention and you know this stuff, you go, wow, this is a guy who cares about the little details. Um, So, I mean, that's awesome. One thing in that regard, I'm curious about it. I'm sure he has an explanation for it. This is another question for when he comes on the pod.
2: (laughs) What
0: with the Sky People ships landing directly on the ground? Like, with their jets running. Like, the way they land... It's just like you would think that the exhaust would be radioactive or something, right? Because it's that great shot of the of the ships descending and using the fire to just like cook all the forests and kill all the creatures. It's like this brutal, awful scene, right? But mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, doesn't that irradiate the whole place? Like what is in that exhaust? Is that radioactive exhaust? Maybe it's not radioactive. Maybe it's a fusion drive and, you know, the products are not radioactive. I don't know. That's just one of the things that like popped in my head as a question. Mm-hmm. What about some of the other good world building stuff? The goo. Okay, the whale goo giving you immortality is still kind of silly, but it's way better than unobtainium.
2: Although I feel like unobtainium gets a lot of hate for no reason. It's like a MacGuffin, but... People are like, oh, how do you call it unobtainium? That's like a real word though that like scientists actually use. No,
0: no, no. I'm gonna push back on that. (laughs) It's like calling the main character of your movie the protagonist. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. No way. But the whale goo's much better, and I think that's much better because it's like directly from Dune, right? Like that's just what like the spice from Dune is. Yeah. Here's one thing that he got wrong that annoys me very specifically and probably no one else who saw the movie, what they call frontal lobe seizures in this movie are, like, not the typical frontal lobe seizure at all. So, like, that annoyed me.
2: Oh, with Kiri? Yeah. Where she has, yeah, like, the that seizures? me. Yeah. But she's a Navi. Who knows? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> It could no, affect her differently, you know? I don't know. <laughs> have you
1: studied Na'vi physiology? <laughs> that's true. I've never studied Na'vi
0: physiology. That is a very good point. But yeah, that's one of the ones that bugged me. I'm sure they asked somebody and someone just said whatever. But it's surprising they would get that one wrong. What else? I don't know. They make Pandora a place you want to go live. And, a lot uh, of
2: background character beats that like have no reason to be in the movie. Like I said, the fucking marine avatar with the giant Oakleys—you don't need to put that in there, but I think it's fucking awesome. The little crab robots, yeah, like the whaler crab robots, robots coming out—they're pounding their fists together. I think that's fucking awesome too. Like that little animation all that the they do is the awesome.
0: Enemies, like all of them, are cool. Mm-hmm. The little single-person subs, crab robot dudes, like uh, the giant. I don't know, hovercraft ship thing that they're all on is cool looking too. But the little exosuit. Yeah. That uh Edie Falco's wearing. That Edie Falco wears is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff.
2: I think the tech in this movie is so funny because James Cameron's clearly like passionate about this technology and like he wants to get it right. He loves that kind of stuff. Like the underwater vessels and like I'm sure if we had crab robots, he would be like the first one to pilot one. But then like all of these Machines in this movie are completely against his like conservationist principles, right? So, I think that's a fascinating little parallel that you can draw or like anti parallel, right? I think that's really fun that all this technology that he clearly likes in real life is just being used as the villain's tools in this. Mm -hmm. The whales are like, oh, what are you going to do with the rest of them, the rest of the body or the corpses? After you harvest the brain juice, the immortality juice, and are like, uh, nothing. We're nothing. just going to yeah. toss it, you know?
0: Yeah, which is, like, in itself, like, really sad. Oh, boy. So this leads me to a thing that maybe we're going to have to cut the whole damn discussion, but that's clearly a reference to, like, Native Americans, right?
2: Yeah. My take on this, however lightly I want to touch upon it, is that I think this movie is too silly To have this discourse around but at the same time i also think some of the things that james cameron has said is just insensitive and like Mm -hmm. i feel like the criticism and the pushback he's getting on that is warranted if people are bristling against this movie or whatever like the white savior trope the appropriation of native american culture like i understand it i don't have anything against people who don't want to see this movie because of that. Some of the things that he said about, oh, the Lakota people should have fought harder to prevent their genocide. I mean, first of all, that interview is also like over a decade old. But still, I feel like the pushback he's getting on that is probably warranted. Mm. And I think that's all I'm going to say about that.
1: So yeah, I think our episode's running definitely longer than normal because we have a lot to talk about. But I think to guide and maybe wrap up, we've been doing this last couple episodes. Is this in your top 10 somewhere?
0: gentlemen as i walked out i was like contemplating bumping something for it this was really good it gave me that feeling of you don't see a movie like this every day yeah the exact feeling like for me was like obviously the amazing just visual splendor of the graphics but the feeling of being in a secondary created world and being fully immersed in an imagined reality is not one i felt like this in years and so I'm definitely very tempted to put it in the top 10. It's going to be a struggle, though. It's not like an easy float to number one or anything.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's probably going to be in my top 10, but I don't think it'll be necessarily high. I think just like on the merit of the spectacle of it, just like my experience of this movie warrants me trying to fit in it somewhere, I think.
2: For me, it was easily slotting into my top 10, because I already had one movie where... I was kind of wavering on whether it should be in Mm -hmm. this year's top 10, because no one has seen it yet. The only people who've seen it saw it at like a festival. I might just replace that with this and save that one for next year. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like I said, this was like a top three theatrical experience for me. So like, I think that alone warrants a place in the top 10. It's just unbelievable visuals in this. And like, I think the emotional beats landed better than the first movie. I think just everything came together on this. I just loved this movie. It was really, really good. I think it's like smack dab in the middle of my top 10 this year. Yeah, but this was great. I love this.
1: All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up?
2: Looking forward to the rest of these <laughs> Avatars 3, 4, 5.
0: <laughs> but yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm totally looking forward to the rest of these. Uh, after the first one, I was like, well, who asked for more of this? And. It's me. Give me more. Amir. Amir is asking me. for more of it. I'm asking for more. Please, James Cameron, give us more Avatar.
2: Yeah, and like I think he said that if the movies don't perform well, that three is going to have like an off ramp where it could technically end and not have four and five in the pipeline mm-hmm. and still work as like a full trilogy. But I'm hoping they pull this one out and like yeah, I want four I and five. I hope this one does well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I want four and five now. I mean, this movie's doing well. A bunch of trades are trying to paint like a five hundred million dollar opening weekend as like underperforming, which is ridiculous.
0: But to be fair, each ticket to this movie is eighteen thousand (laughs) dollars. It's true. It's It's true. It's an expensive movie. movie. It's a lot.
2: (laughs) You're pushing like thirty-five dollars, forty dollars. Yeah.
1: It was very strange when they asked me to pay in whale brain juice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. How much does it go for? Like $80 million for that little vial? Oh,
1: yeah. Something like $80 billion.
2: I like how he does like the little, oh, I almost dropped it thing. (laughs) That that (laughs) little trope.
1: Yeah. I I think you guys have said it all. Like, I don't think I need to repeat what you guys have said. But I will say a PSA. uh, Stop drinking any liquids about like two hours before watching this movie. And like (laughs) empty out your system. The moments before you sit down because... It is a long ride and you do not want to have to get up to miss
2: a moment. People are like, "Oh, it's a 3-hour movie. There has to be a spot where like I can go pee." There isn't really, right? I mean like really. I mean maybe like a little bit in the middle, but I love that middle portion so yeah. much. I don't think you can miss too much. I mean like if you got to pee, you got to pee.
1: Yeah. Like James Cameron says, "If you got to go, just go."
0: <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Well, you no, know, what he says is it's fine. You can go. Whatever scene you've missed, you'll see when you come back and watch it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's so confident. What a badass! I love it. Uh, I want to say something else about this movie. Where uh, a lot of James Cameron movies have legs at the box office. Yes. Where it's not like a Marvel movie, where like you have to go see it the day it comes out, or else it's gonna get spoiled. All the cameos, all the Easter eggs, and like the post-credits scenes are gonna get spoiled the day of. Like you can't be on social media anymore these movies are not like that i don't even think you can spoil this movie so i think like the word of mouth is going to go around and people are definitely going to go see this at their leisure and like i think people are very very picky about how they want to see this movie like you have the imax you have the 3d you have the high frame rate i think people are going to be a little more patient about how they go about and see this movie it's not like I mean, I'm already planning to go back, so. Yeah, I am too. So, I think at least people who are passionate about movies are definitely going to take their time in choosing, like, how they want to see it, right?
1: Yeah, and we're, like, a week removed from Christmas. People are going to see this. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, It's going to have legs.
2: It's definitely going to have legs. Yeah.
1: I agree. And then you're moving into January, which, you know, it's not going to have much competing with it. Like, it's definitely going to perform well.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's a big blockbuster until, like, February or, like, late February. So, like... This is free reign to like dominate the box office for at least three months. And I'm sure it's going
0: to. I think there's something to be said about the discordance between Avatar's like financial impact and its quote unquote lack of impact on the culture. Mm-hmm. But that'll well, have to wait till the Avatar 3 discussion.
2: Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is look at that guy who painted his entire body blue. Did you guys see that guy? He like no. tattooed his entire body in like the Navi. Oh skin pattern. Wow. His car is like a Navi mobile. His house is like a Navi house. Wow. That's some cultural impact right there. All right. Yeah, so. do that for the Marvel movies. <laughs> That's not that
0: impressive.
1: All I say is I see that guy. <laughs> you see that guy. <laughs> I see him. Um, I think we've said as much as we can, but also I think we could probably keep talking about this for another hour or two, but uh, uh we have been going pretty long. So I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh Jeff, where can people find more of your work?
2: You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com where I reviewed Avatar The Way of Water. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Strange Harbors. What about you guys?
0: You can find me wishing I was on Pandora. How about you, Derek?
1: <laughs> you can find me at Train Guild and, and World's Okayest Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people.
2: Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Avatar, The Way of Water, feel free to shoot us an email. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will not see you next week. I think this will probably be the last episode of the year. Have a happy holidays, and we will see you guys in the new year.
1: Yeah, and uh, just to tease the New Year, our first episode is going to be our top 10 for, uh, I mean, I guess this year, right, 2022?
2: Yeah, always our biggest episode, the top 10 movies of the year. Each of our top 10s will be going through them in the first episode of the New Year. So we will see you guys then.
1: See you then, everybody. See you then.